Hi, everybody. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. A few months ago, I asked the community via Facebook and Twitter, social media, and even email, what were the topics that you wanted to hear about? What is it that you wanted to know more on? And one of the things that multiple people got back to me on was psychiatric comorbidities with ASD, specifically the relationship between attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. So the first person I thought of was Dr. Megan Miller at the University of California at Davis, who has done more work than anyone that I know, and she might correct me, on the overlap and also some of the the overlapping symptoms, but then also the overlap in um, diagnosis. So thank you, Dr. Miller. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, So uh, I am currently an assistant professor at the University of California, Davis, in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, um, as well as uh, the MIND Institute. And I am a clinical psychologist by training. Um, So um, trained in the assessment, diagnosis, and treatment of um, psychiatric disorders, neurodevelopmental disorders, But I primarily spend my time conducting research that's focused on um, early identification of autism and ADHD, as you were saying, and also the intersection between these two conditions, especially um, in early life. So how did you get interested in this topic? I mean, people have great stories about a mentor, an advisor, a family, a personal experience. So How did you particularly become interested in these two topics? Yeah, I developed an interest in clinical psychology pretty broadly when I was in high school because I had a friend who um, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So that led me to study psychology as an undergraduate. Um, But as an undergrad, I got exposed to lots of different areas of clinical psychology um, from research to practice um, through, you know, getting involved as a research assistant in various labs, but also volunteering in various um, centers. For example, um, I remember volunteering at a um, center for foster youth. Um, And so I got some exposure and experience to children who were dealing with lots of different challenges um, and became particularly interested in uh, ADHD at that time. So I went to graduate school in clinical psychology. Um, I worked on a large longitudinal study of girls with ADHD. Um, I'm pretty sure the largest longitudinal study of girls with ADHD uh, in the world, um, which is led by Dr. Steve Hinshaw. And in, in my work there, I was really focused on trying to understand the role of executive functioning um, in predicting long-term outcomes in these girls. So things like working memory, planning, organizational skills, um, how do those things in childhood predict longer-term outcomes in these girls with ADHD who are known to have challenges in those areas. Um, At the same time, I was also getting lots of clinical experiences. um, And through those experiences, I really started to recognize some of the, the overlaps as well as the distinctions between autism and ADHD. And that really sparked my interest in trying to understand when in development those similarities and differences first emerged. So I would say it was sort of this combination of exposure to lots of different areas in in psychology, um, 
some hands-on clinical experiences with, with these populations um, and blending that with um, the research that I was doing at that time. So after that, I went on to pursue a postdoc um, where I could really learn more about autism and start to blend those interests in both autism and ADHD into sort of a, a um, one line of research. And you've said two of the magic words I think need further exploration is longitudinal and girls. And so you have this expertise in an area that I think is undervalued and then also underutilized, although longitudinal studies for families aren't exactly a, a simple thing either. So let's get right into ADHD and ASD. There were some changes a few years back to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is kind of the guidebook about how clinicians diagnose individuals. And there was actually a new change to the diagnosis of ADHD and ASD. Can you explain what those are and how they were different from the last version? Yeah, I, I agree. It feels recent, but it was 2013. Um, <laughs> I still say recently also. Um, so, so yeah, that DSM-5 was published in 2013. And it's true that in the prior versions of the DSM, it wasn't permitted um, to diagnose both autism and ADHD within the same individual. So, you know, previously, these two diagnoses were really kind of thought to be mutually exclusive. And I think a large part of that was or a large part of that reasoning was um, people thought that the autism diagnosis or the autism symptoms accounted for the symptoms of ADHD that a child might be experiencing. Um, so sort of that diagnostic overshadowing issue. But I think a lot of clinicians really from their experience knew this wasn't really true. Research was showing this probably wasn't true. And I think just in general, um, in, in the field of psychopathology, we see lots of overlap because some of these barriers are, or, or boundaries are somewhat artificially defined. Um, so um, as a result, in 2013, that restriction was removed from the DSM. Um, it's possible now to receive a diagnosis of both autism and ADHD. Uh, and um, you know, I think we're seeing that that happens a lot now, it happened a lot even before it was allowed, um, but now it's uh, no longer a technical restriction. Well, then tell me some of the, the main overlap. How could someone be misdiagnosed with ADHD if they have autism, if that's possible? Any misdiagnosis is possible, I guess. But what are some of the main differences and then also similarities between ADHD and ASD? So, you know, I think when you look at the diagnostic criteria, which you can Google, like what are the DSM-5 criteria for each diagnosis, you, you will notice on paper, they are pretty distinct. So when we're thinking about autism, we're looking for impairments in social communication and social interaction, the presence of restricted and repetitive behaviors and interests. And then ADHD sounds totally different. Um, we're looking for developmentally inappropriate levels of inattention or disorganization and or, um, it can be either or, hyperactivity and impulsivity. Um, so those things don't sound the same at all. Um, but we do see a lot of co-occurrence. So where someone has both diagnoses, um, in particular, a large percentage of individuals with autism meet criteria for ADHD or at least have symptoms of ADHD, even if they don't meet the full criteria. 
um, we see this shared heritability. So um, moms um, who have ADHD are more likely to have a child with ADHD, but also more likely to have a child with autism. We see this also in siblings as well, sort of they cross aggregate um, in families. Um, and then we also see some evidence of, of these overlapping genetic risk factors. So maybe shared causal mechanisms, some evidence of commonalities in from brain imaging studies, certainly some differences too. And we see some similarities in terms of shared impairments. So not necessarily, you know, the same symptoms, but both autism and ADHD are populations in which we see challenges with those executive functions that I was talking about earlier. Also, we see histories of language delays commonly in these populations. We see challenges with peer relations in both groups, but um, the reasons for that are probably different. So, you know, even though on, on paper they don't, they don't seem to have a lot in common, um, we do see this evidence that there's probably something going on there, that, that they're related in some way. And so that can make it a, a real challenge to kind of diagnostically um, figure out what's going on when a child has both sets of symptoms. Uh, but like I said, that does happen pretty commonly. More and more, I have been reading hypotheses and even thinking about this question where there is this wider spectrum of psychiatric issues. And I'm not even going to place where autism is on that spectrum. But due to the comorbidities, not just with ADHD and the similarities or even the distinctions. I mean, anxiety is a lot different than autism, but a lot of people with autism have anxiety and the same with obsessive compulsive disorder. So there seems to be not just a, gen a phenotypic or a behavioral overlap, but also sometimes genetic overlaps across some of these conditions. And so I wanted to get your input about autism being part of like kind of this wider related spectrum across some, some psychiatric issues, but also distinct because there are not overlaps with other psychiatric, but with some psychiatric problems. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, this is very interesting and you're exactly right. Um, you know, in, in psychopathology, Year, many years ago now, um, this notion of what has been called the P factor was introduced. And it's sort of like the, the kind of global factor of general intelligence that has been talked about in the intelligence literature for a long time. But there's this idea that maybe there's sort of this overarching psychopathology factor or risk factor that these different disorders or symptom sets kind of all fall within and kind of lump together in some ways, um, which can make it hard to disentangle them. And I think there's some decent evidence of that that hasn't been looked at as carefully in children, but there is some evidence also of this sort of, you know, dysregulation profile. Some people have talked about, we published a paper on that in, in um, a sample of uh, children who had a family history of autism, um, where we see some of these challenges load on sort of a common factor. And so it, it is suggestive of the fact that there are probably sort of shared mechanisms across a lot of different psychiatric symptoms um, that are likely related to brain development and things like that, um, which could explain some of this overlap. And then there are also some theories specifically around autism and ADHD that um, they may be 
different manifestations of the same overarching disorder. Um, and I think there is some evidence to suggest that um, um, or evidence in support of that idea, but it's still pretty controversial and um, something that I think we'll probably need to spend many more years exploring to try to understand better. So how have you been approaching this question? Yeah, um, so one of the things that we've been interested in is really trying to understand those questions early in development. So before these diagnoses are fully present and made, uh, and a lot of the prior research has really focused on samples of individuals with autism, ADHD, or both, once they already have diagnoses. So usually that means school-age children, adolescents. Um, and so our goal has really been to try to understand early similarities and differences in infants who go on to develop autism or concerns for ADHD. So well before the diagnoses are apparent. Um, and, and the reason is that, you know, we hope that that will give us a better understanding of when in development these two conditions might begin to diverge. Um, whether there are periods of development where there's a lot of overlap, um, and, and if so, then whether there are any common early risk factors that might be really, really good targets for treatment development because um, they could be impactful for lots of different kids with different uh, potential outcomes before we actually know what those outcomes are. Um, so potentially, you know, that idea of uh, prevention of some of these challenges. Um, and so we've been using an infant sibling design where we recruit babies who have a family history of autism or ADHD um, or no family history of either. And we follow them longitudinally from infancy until right now, until age three, and then hopefully in the future um, with you know, additional grant funding, we'll be able to see them later as well. Um, but we just uh, see them repeatedly over those first several years of life. We do a lot of assessments of various um, um, developmental domains, various behavioral assessments. Uh, parents fill out a lot of questionnaires. We do some eye tracking assessments, and we're also measuring some um, psychophysiological indicators to try to understand how social communication and attention and self-regulation develop, develop in these infants. Um, and then when they're three, we determine, do they have autism? Do, are they typically developing? Are they um, meeting sort of a definition of what we call ADHD concerns because it's too early to diagnose ADHD, but are they showing elevated symptoms of ADHD? And then we can look backward at their earlier data to see you know, when in development and in what domains do they start to differ? Where do we see some commonalities? Um, so for example, uh, in the last couple of years, one of my former postdocs, um, Bert Hatch, looked at um, a behavior that we thought was pretty specific to autism, which was re reduced response to name, uh, to see if this also might be something that we see in these infants who go on to develop high ADHD symptoms, because we thought, you know, responding to your name, that requires some attentional mechanisms as well. Um, and what he found was really interesting is that there was this period earlier in development, so from like 12 to 18 months, where we saw similarities between the infants who went on to develop autism or risk for ADHD, where they were less likely to respond to their name. But then the group who went on to develop ADHD got better at that, and they looked 
just like the typically developing kids by the time they were two to three. Um, so there, you know, potentially could be some transition in what that behavior represents over development um, or some differences in sort of various mechanisms that support that behavior um, related to attention and social processing. So those are the kinds of questions we're, we're interested in understanding um, to help us get better at identifying these concerns early, but also help us get better at um, trying to understand sort of the mechanisms that might explain this relationship between autism and ADHD. So the million dollar question, and we have a lot of parents listening, is what would you tell parents who are concerned about ADHD in their ASD diagnosed child, or they're concerned about a, having their ADHD diagnosed child having some kind of symptoms of, of, of autism? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think um, the you know, most basic answer is to, to consult with their pediatrician and request a referral for an evaluation. Um, but sort of the more detailed answer is that I, it, it depends on age in some ways. So if we're, if we're talking about a young child with autism, you know, below the age of six, who is potentially exhibiting some symptoms of ADHD, um, you know, I would recommend talking to the pediatrician, monitoring um, in collaboration with the pediatrician, potential ADHD symptoms for a little while, um, tracking them, potentially engaging in some parent training intervention that specifically targets ADHD symptoms if they're prominent and they're interfering. But one of the real challenges, especially when we're talking about young children, is whether or not they have autism, is um, when we're thinking about ADHD, we are really looking for behaviors that are developmentally atypical, so inconsistent with the child's developmental level. And so if a, a young child in particular, but any child is experiencing developmental delays, which we, we do see more often in children with autism, um, that is something we really need to consider. So the symptoms of ADHD that you might be seeing could potentially be typical in terms of where that child is developmentally, because we see, you know, not great attention skills, overactivity, impulsivity in young, typically developing children. It's really common. So that developmental atypicality is important um, and also impairment. So are those symptoms causing challenges sort of over and above the, the autism symptoms? Um, so essentially consistent with the um, American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines, I always recommend behavioral intervention as that first line treatment for ADHD in children who are under the age of six, whether or not they have autism. Um, but as a kid gets over or older, so as a child gets closer to school age, we might consider, um, you know, uh, uh, more quickly a referral for a diagnostic evaluation um, for both autism or ADHD. And this is really the age at which medication becomes an option, which mm -hmm. is the other evidence-based treatment for ADHD. Um, and so if parents are interested in that, I always recommend that they request a referral to a child psychiatrist. Um, so a real specialist, because um, if you have both conditions, it's a lot more complex and I think important to have child psychiatry involved. Um, and so the hope is that families will be able to find somebody and you can ask the provider if they will do this. 
you know, will you help me track my child's ADHD symptoms um, if we start medication to see if it's helping, if it's improving? Um, can you get the teacher on board to do that? So you can monitor whether these symptoms are changing as a result of the medication. Um, and then it's also something to consider important to monitor any potential side effects from these ADHD medications in a child with autism, because for whatever reason, we do see that children with autism experience more side effects than children with just ADHD. Um, so, you know, restlessness or, or trouble sleeping, um, uh, reduced appetite, those kinds of things we see more common in children with autism. And we also see that um, children with autism who also have ADHD are less likely to be classified as what we would call responders to these medications. So that they're working, um, that their symptoms are, are changing as a result of them um, compared to children who just have ADHD. And again, we don't really know why. Um, the last thing I'll say to kind of get at the flip side of your question um, you know, certainly if a child with ADHD is showing evidence of social communication impairments, um, again, just recommend a, a request for a referral for a diagnostic evaluation for autism. Um, we do know that these early ADHD symptoms might mask um, autism symptoms in some children. Um, so children who are diagnosed with ADHD early um, are more likely to have a delay in their diagnosis of ASD if they are end up diagnosed with both. Mm. Um, so that's something to consider too for, for parents and providers. If you're seeing a really young child um, who's showing evidence of ADHD, you might also want to just be sure and screen for ASD as well um, to make sure that you're not missing it and potentially delaying a diagnosis um, beyond that window of early intervention. That's good advice. Thank you. And thank you for your time today. And thank you for your knowledge and your expertise on this topic. Um, and if anyone is listening and has any other questions, if you want to email them to me, then I will send them along to Dr. Miller um, and maybe she can provide some global answers, but she, she doesn't know your child and isn't, doesn't see your child on a regular basis. She can't really provide you any specific guidance, but it's been really helpful to hear about what families can do and, and what steps they should take if they have concerns. And even, I guess the same goes for teachers as they, you know, as they enter school, I think that's a big time when ADHD and some other diagnoses kind of emerge Thank you for, for being a part of this conversation. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about this topic. Yeah, thank you for having me.